Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsom, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Panther Puri. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me are my co-hosts, TJ Peterson and Alex Lopez. And joining us today, longtime friend of the show, Florida Panthers website reporter and co-host of the Territory Talk podcast, Jameson Olive. Jameson, how are you doing today? Yay, Jameson. Yay. <laughs> Everyone loves it. Everyone's so excited. No, I, I'm doing good. I, I like to do this podcast, but we get to do it late at night, so I'm already a little loose. It, it's a good time. I like the late night recordings. Yeah, they, it's 845. Uh, <laughs> way past bedtime already. We're, we're, we're sticking it the, out. The one with the, a baby. That's Alex. That's sipping true. On a Coke, sipping on a glass of Coke Zero here. Just mm, there you loose. go. There you go. Uh, Jameson, how much rum is in that Coke Zero? Zero. I can't, I'm, I can't do rum. Power, power ranking liquor right off the bat. You go, oof. I, I go gin top, which is, I think, oh, I think it's a bit unusual. Oh, no. I go, I go gin. I can respect that. I just Tequila, vodka, it. and then I just throw out the rest. Throw, oh, my God. Wait, whoa, whoa. Wow. Jameson, you don't drink scotch? This is a hot take. Uh, no, it's in the name. I can't do Jameson whiskey or anything like that. So it's valid. Uh, it's fine. I just would never pick it over any of those other things. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta bring you some good scotch, Jameson. So that's the problem too. Is I just never would spend enough to get the good enough scotch to make it really tasty scotch. Because I think there's nothing worse than like cheap whiskey and scotch. Oh, absolutely, so. it's undrinkable. Like yeah, so if, that's the problem. If you need to cut your whiskey or scotch with soda of any kind, it's not good enough to drink. True. Also, true. whiskey is not for shooting, no matter what anyone says. <laughs> Under any um, circumstances, are you doing shots of whiskey? Yeah. The correct answer, Jameson, just for the record, is bourbon, scotch, tequila, gin, and then you can throw out the rest. See, because I like vodka, because no matter how much you're spending on it, you know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. And it mixes with everything. Yeah, yeah, it does. That's why I like vodka. I That's vodka. usually yeah. why I usually go with vodka. It's old, reliable, basically. There, yeah, really, it is. There's not enough love for rum in this podcast. Like, nah. a good rum. Vodka like, and rum. College ruined them for me. Yeah, I that's what I'm saying. Like, them. when I think of rum, I think of bad nights in college. Okay, go. Yeah, but again, no. it's because you're drinking cheap rum, and it's the same problem as cheap whiskey. Like, that ruined tequila if, for drink, me. That was if the you get a good the liquor store. So, if you can get a good rum, like Payette is a great rum, and it's like twenty seven dollars a bottle. For a 750 milliliter, like that's a. By really the way, good to run. all our listeners under 20, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Oh, please, it's not like they're not all drinking too. Come on. Well, that <laughs> depends on on situation. Where they're listening from, they could be listening in Europe. You know, that's true. We do know we have your, we do know we yeah. have listeners outside of the U.S. Yeah, so. yeah, preaching. And yes. for the record, I I do want to walk back one thing. I did not include rum in my power rankings. Rum is probably fifth. Uh, but I mostly I, look. I love a good mojito, but I I just can't really do like rum straight. Yeah, I'm officially like 
early 30s wine guy though so i've, I've, I've aged out of it yeah. i mean glass of malbec and i'm good why I, I really just have not had much alcohol since like may of 2019 <laughs> or 2020 because of this all this COVID. Mm, it's true covid stopped you from drinking yeah, so, yeah, I was yes, say. Pe- pe- yeah people i know went one way or the other yeah the i went that i went that way yeah yeah, yeah. I, I guess yeah at the time i really wasn't i i was already not really drinking though and then yeah. i started drinking again when are you guys gonna do your big like covid retrospect what we learned what we did how we killed the time episode we can do that right now what, yeah, did, what did you do Jess? that'll be no that'll i'm be not ready yet i'm not ready yet I, I still need time to digest it all yeah. but we should do something like that especially because you, know, you were a big part of like the time time wasting and covid for panthers fans with like yeah. Florida panthers gaming and all the stuff you and katie did so hanging on twitter yeah hanging on twitter cruising Which reddit you- with nothing to do apparently because yeah. you know we were late to this podcast yep <laughs> oh you gotta put him on blast I like dove that. into Jeez. the void well i was putting ourselves on blast for being yeah, late so he was cruising yeah. <laughs> yeah. tj you were the last one here we're not putting jameson on blast <laughs> True. I was very punctual. That that's that's a good point. Yeah. All right. Uh, Thirty more seconds to roast me. Go. Uh, we'll we'll spread it out incrementally over the course of this podcast because okay, I'm sure fair. there will be things to roast you about as we talk about the Panthers season. Uh, so yep. now that we are what like five or six minutes into this recording, having mentioned nothing about hockey, uh, actually well, better transition. Uh, speaking of things that make us want to drink. Uh, the Panthers season did not end how uh, how I'm sure we all hoped, but at the same time, uh, I mean this is this is arguably the best season in Panthers history. I know that the point total obviously isn't going to match up, but that's because it was the shortened season. Uh, the Panthers did break their franchise record for points percentage, though. Uh, in a season, seventy nine points in fifty six games, one hundred and fifteen point pace over an eighty two game season, uh, which unfortunately resulted in yet another first round exit. So, what are uh, what are some of the overarching lessons? Uh, and I want to start with Jameson on this because obviously it's the one closest to the team, watching uh, everything in and out, writing about it, reporting on it. Uh, what are some of the key lessons that uh, that the Florida Panthers learned and that fans learned about the Florida Panthers throughout this season? Yeah, it, there's, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot to go through. Um, first one, I think you talk to the players, you see all the exit interviews. Uh, that was, we, we didn't have had an hour of those with all the guys on exit interview media day. And uh, they all, you could tell they all grew a bit this year. You could tell they're all a bit more grizzled. They're all a bit more, tougher just mentally having been through what they went through this season and I think it was important for them this season to have a season where they were just good the entire season they were good you know they never lost more than three games they only did that twice they had a bunch of winning streaks they never had a real slump we never hit the panic button at any time we never we were never counting games in hand which we're so used to doing here start to finish this was a good team it was a playoff team we were, we were, we were talking about the playoffs like seven weeks out like we were like come on come on let's go let's just get there um so <laughs> I think it was important for those guys to learn how to just be a good team for an entire season, to not have to rely on those ebbs and flows, those highs and lows, and just kind of always kind of ride that even keel. And I think obviously guys like Hornquist had a lot to do with that. Radko Gudis, you know, the veterans coming in kind of, I think they had a real nice effect on everyone, particularly Hornquist was just a, a bulldog in that room, just with, with how vocal he was and how good he was at 
getting the best out of the guys and lifting spirits and things like that. So uh, all the guys evolved this year, obviously talent wise, they all took a step too. I mean, Huberto and Barkov just keep ascending into stardom. I thought all the young guys, even the guys we only saw for a bit, Hepaniemi, Denisenko, from what we saw last year to this year, you can tell there's progress. You see it there. Makes me really excited to see what we're going to see next season. So just in terms of the team and individuals, you know, big steps forward, big strides. But I think the biggest difference is, and I said this on Territory Talk, I think a week or two ago, is it feels like in the past when this team did make the playoffs back, you know, uh, 15, 16, 11, 12, that it kind of felt a little bit flash in the pan. Like a lot of things happened right to get the team to that point uh, where it felt like you were kind of building with a sandcastle there. And then the next season, the, the tide came in and washed it away where this season, this team, a lot of people didn't even have them in the playoffs and there they are with the fourth best record in the league. And that wasn't a fluke that was deserved. Like I said, mm-hmm. start to finish a great season. And it feels like now they're building with bricks. They're building with concrete. And now we can actually say, this is what this season looked like. Oh, we have actually have a pretty darn good idea of what next season's going to look like in the season after that. And, you know, all credit to, to Bill Zito and his staff for what they build. And that, that's the biggest X factor is just, you know, BZ and all he's done for this team. And, you know, the way, yes, I mean, in a way it's complex, but at the same time, fans can look at what he's doing and say, like, I get it. I get exactly what this guy's doing and I like it. Yeah. And you mentioned BZ, obviously, just now. I wanted to get. I a called lot of- him. B- Do you guys call him BZ too? Because I just threw Never that out have there. Before. I- okay. Always <laughs> right I'm like just it. following like your it. lead. Okay. I didn't want to be rude and be like, okay, I, like I will never say, say BZ in my on. life. That is just ridiculous. It, w- it won't. It won't take off like Franklin the Tanklin, but if BZ takes off, I'm happy. You will never hear me say that, just for the record. Anyway, <laughs> wait, were you the one who coined Franklin the Tanklin before TJ? Doug Plagan. Doug Plagan's coined Franklin the Tanklin, and then we just kind of took it off from there. It actually kind of originated on Twitch. And then we kind of brought nice. it to the podcast and then Randy Moeller started using it on Bally. Yes, he did. And then, then everyone started using it. <laughs> I can respect that. But I, 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 that I was going to say, um, I think Joel Quenville really deserves a, a tremendous amount of credit yes. for the way that this team played this year. And it, it seems a little bit wrong to say this, but the system kind of took over as the star this year. We saw the way that they were able to generate scoring chances and continue to have possession, get into the zone with the defenseman jumping up on the rush and other teams just didn't figure out how to stop it. They knew what was going to happen. They knew that Forsling was going to jump up. Uyghur was going to jump up, et cetera, et cetera. And the, the forwards on the other end were so aware of where the defensemen were jumping up from. They knew when they needed to cover for them so that it didn't re- result in an odd man rush going the other way. And they got so many good scoring chances out of those rushes. And I mean, it really is as simple as that. They were aggressive with the transition offense and it paid dividends everywhere on the ice. And that goes down to Quenville identifying the system that works best with the players that he already had and going out and getting other players that work best with that system. Cause let's be honest, Gustav Forsling was not looking like a good NHL player before he came to Florida. And now he looks like a legitimate top four defenseman. Yeah, no, you're right. You talk about, you know, obvi- obviously the offense in transition, when you mentioned Gus, the defense in transition and defending the opposing transition was spectacular this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times this year did you actually see the Panthers caught in an odd man rush or caught in a bad situation in transition. It seemed like they only really got beat when the opposing teams had time to set up cycle around, which they did a good job of denying. But uh, you know, what they did so great was when the opposing team had guys coming in, you know, into the neutral zone towards the offensive zone, they just went right at them and they either broke things up right there. They pushed them to the side and into the walls. Rarely were teams able to pull, you know, enter the zone straight down the middle. The Panthers just didn't let that happen. And that was one of the bigger, I think, defensive changes we saw this year as well. Yeah. We saw a lot and TJ kind of mentioned it and, the one thing about the Panthers is they played a very up-tempo style this year. And it's the style that burned them 
in years past. And, you know, Jameson, you touched on TJ, you touched on it. Like they didn't give up the odd man rushes they were giving up in years past. And that's a big product of having, you know, players that fit the system. So you can play that up-tempo style, which is, you know, the modern NHL game where you're basically taking my skill against your skill and my skill is going to win. And you saw that almost the entire year until, you know, you got up against Carolina and Tampa where those are just two teams that two of the you know best teams in the NHL where, you know, the Panthers weren't able to just completely outskill their opponent, but, you know, against the teams that were as good as or worse than them, they just outskilled them yeah. and they could not keep up. Chicago could not keep up. Uh, Columbus could not keep up. Detroit not could not keep up like these, you know, that's the mark of a team that's improving. oddly enough. I think Detroit did the best job yeah. other than Carolina they, Detroit. I, I've said it before. Detroit was the least talented team in the division, but I think they were one of the best teams in the division. They just played every game really well, really tight. So you credit to their coaching staff, but that, that team was playing us hard all season long. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you there. Detroit but handed us our first regulation loss. Yeah. Let's not forget that. Yeah. <laughs> But we talk, you know, I think we talk about the opponents. And the last thing I'll say is we talk about the Panthers matching up with everyone. Uh, they had a winning record against every team in the division, except yeah. the Hurricanes. And I, that's one of the most impressive things, I think, is that it wasn't they beat up on the bad teams and lost to the good teams. They really were beaten up on everyone, save yeah. the Hurricanes, who they most of those games were one goal heartbreakers for the most part. Yeah, yeah that, a lot that of was, overtime against Carolina this year, too. Yeah. Let's talk about that matchup. Not that it, you know, had a major impact on the playoffs, because obviously the Panthers never, never made it to Carolina, but like, it seems like the Panthers controlled a lot of those games. Like they had the better five on five numbers in most of those games played. It was just like, there would be some fluky bounce that would go Carolina's game. And all of a sudden the game is in overtime and we're losing in overtime or a shootout. And it was like, I did not see the Carolina as that much better than the Panthers. Definitely not at five on five. It was just, you know, kind of the Achilles heel, both against the lightning and the Carolina it was like, they could not score on the power play and they could not kill a penalty. Yeah, we talk about surprising things. I think I don't even remember what had happened, but there was a point in the season where you look at the Panthers and how they were playing the Lightning and how they were playing the Hurricanes, and you're like, you know what? Like, we're going toe to toe, if not better than these guys. I mean, you expect to be in the games, but you don't expect to be carrying play like the Panthers did. And I think that's kind of when the switch flipped. And I remember, I think I talked, I think it was Frank Petrano, actually, Tanklin, who we already referenced. Uh, I was asking earlier in the season, how big was that when they took two out of three from Tampa early in the season? Was that kind of the moment you guys looked around and were like, heck you got a good team and he actually said yeah he's like going to that series we said you know we've been good up till now but this is this is the gut check right here yeah and they take two or three great series and then from there you know never look back great season continues yeah i can actually a lot at least uh i think a lot of fans felt that way too about that series it was okay we've beaten detroit and we've beaten like we've beaten all the teams Chicago. that we should beat now now comes the real test like yeah we haven't we haven't lost a game yet or we haven't lost we barely we haven't lost a game in regulation yet but we also haven't played carolina or tampa i think i don't think we had played dallas yet either no, um, they were, they, their whole schedule was still right out of that they were still in the middle of their like 25 players who or 17 <laughs> yeah, whatever but, but, it was um and yeah it I actually want to go back, Alex, to one thing that you said. I'm looking at the possession numbers for Florida against Carolina uh, in in the uh, in the eight games played. Florida led all of the major possession stats at five on five shot attempts, unblocked shot attempts, uh, and uh, even in at five on five, they led the goals for percentage and the expected goals for percentage. But when you expand that out to all strengths. Florida lead Florida still leads in every major stat 
except expected goals and actual goals. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I mean, I for whatever reason, that. <laughs> well, for whatever reason, Ca- Carolina just knew how to exploit the Panthers on special teams, and we didn't see that all the time with the other opponents. It's not like Nashville was always lighting up the power play penalty kill, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. It was but, the um, Trocheck revenge tour. That yeah. was sort of a chink in the armor that was revealed this year that whenever the Panthers played the Hurricanes, they just didn't really seem to get anything going on the power play. And in fact, I remember they gave up a crucial shorty in one of those games in Carolina. I think that like they actually gave up a breakaway 15 seconds before they gave up the actual shorthanded goal or something like that. It just looked like it was coming. Oh, yeah. The Anytime hurricane. the Panthers got a power play, it felt like Carolina was the one getting all the chances. And it was yeah, all eight that was games. Like- Carolina's went right at him on the penalty kill. And that was kind of how the only time the Panthers really struggled this season on the power plays when teams went at him. The Lightning really yep. kind of did that too in the playoffs. So that's just kind of one thing, I guess, that you look at in the offseason where, you know, adapting around that. Because when teams let the, you know, the Panthers do what they want in the power play, they score, especially when Aaron Eckblad's out there. Uh, but yeah, it's the aggressive penalty kills the Panthers definitely struggled with. Yeah. And Jameson, I actually wanted to mention that too, back uh, going back to when you were talking about how. teams didn't really get a lot of those odd man rush chances. The ironic thing is that most of the ones I can remember were when the Panthers were on the power play. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. It seemed like the most, I would not be shocked if the Panthers gave up more breakaways on the power play than they did even strength this year, at least close because it's maybe they just stick out more because you don't expect them, but it definitely felt like that for a bit for sure you should expect it though when you have four forwards out there and they're all thinking offense i love you know what five forwards though in the playoffs yeah that's I'm, true i'm, d- yes. I'm down for bringing that i'm down for bringing that back yeah, yeah. here yeah we saw Why that a little not? bit with uh in the bob bugner era he tried that yeah. for uh, a game early, early on and it yeah. just did not work although and, you know when x back next yeah. year i think you, you have to go back to get yeah. him out there well aaron ekblad in the trigger he man. acts as a forward on that power play he though. does so yeah I still think you're kind of looking at like a four and a half forward power play. Yeah, we'll with that. Back he's not going to, he's not going to be the quarterback when he's on the power play again. Well, no, well, it goes to the elephant in the room breakaways against Keith Yandel cough. It's is Keith Yandel back next year? Because if he isn't, you might bark off your power play quarterback. You put uh, Ekblad on the wing and yes, it's a, four, you know, a quote unquote four forward unit, but in essence, it's a five forward unit because your quarterback is a center. Yeah, I'll just say what I've been saying about Yandel for the past few episodes again. Like at the beginning of the season when it was looking like, oh, he was going to get scratched and there was all this uh, media controversy about it. A lot of angry, neutral media, national media, inter- you know, North American media. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was an understandable thing to criticize, but also it was understandable why they were considering it. And I thought that let's say like the first 30 games or so he was an NHL player. Like he was putting up power play stats that showed that he was, he still had some value. And then as the season went along and you know, the, the miles racked up on that 34 year old body, it just was evident that the skating speed was not there. And he became a liability because he just, you know, when, when he was getting forechecked on the power play, waiting for the drop pass, it led to, you know, trouble with entries and, trouble with giving up shorthanded chances and you know he's not he's not going to be an asset at five on five anymore so if he can't be an asset on the power play then that's a problem yeah All right, just a quick update as we are on the zoom call uh carolina hurricanes have been eliminated in five games by the tampa Bay lightning so hey we made I it a game couldn't even than, make it six yeah. we made it a game more than than uh, carolina did so good job us guys moral victories <laughs> um 
Wow. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I do want to talk about the playoffs as a whole in a bit. But, yeah, Keith Yandel, like, TJ, you kind of nailed it. First 30 games, he was an NHL player. He was an asset to the team. Last 30 games, when you include the playoffs, he was not an NHL caliber player. And that's a problem that's going to be – that's going to need to be addressed. I know he's got the streak, and you cannot, you know, bench this guy and ruin the streak because you will just get – like, you will lose the locker room if you do it. So – You've got to figure out something. I just don't know if it's possible. Yeah, he's got that no move also. Jameson, I would love to ask you what the odds are that he waves it for the expansion draft. But I, I doubt just... we're going to get an answer. You guys yeah. you guys know I can't get into any, anything too controversial. I but yeah. I, but I, the one thing I will say, and, I, and I, I, I really try, this is the first season in a while where I'm not going to be playing fantasy GM in my head and doing my own little number crunching and moving stuff around. Because I learned last season watching, you know, BZ work uh, in the off season that it, it, you never know what's going to happen anymore. It, it's, it's unpredictable. And at this point I just buckle up and go along for the ride. But Jameson, have you heard our, our uh, Jack Eichel trade idea? Oh, <laughs> I, I feel like in case that magically ever happens, I feel like I can't even say no, but I, I don't think the Panther. I think that the Jack, Jack Eichel, Eichel trade is no longer the galaxy brain du jour topic. It's now the three team Bobrovsky buyout trade. <laughs> I want to. I'd rather. I'd rather rescue Rasmus Dahlin somehow. I mean, Ooh. I doubt that that's possible, but yeah, that's not possible. I still think they value him, but I don't know. It seems like they keep, they don't. I mean, I guess that's up to the next coach they get there to play him how he should be played. But it, it was not working out for him recently. Yeah, no. that's an organization that that's in a really bad spot. Like George Richard said it best. They're early two thousands Florida Panthers in terms of how they're running that team right now, and it's not a good look. But mm-hmm. if I if I if I was my mind, if I was GM of the the Sabres, I, I think you got to blow it up now, though. Yeah, because mm-hmm. when you think, because I I started, I already started. I, I got a little. It's a mixture of excitement and sadness when you look ahead to the Atlantic Division next year if nothing changes. Because who do we have in that division? You got the Panthers playoff team. You got the Leafs playoff team. You got the Habs playoff team. Yeah. You got the Lightning playoff team. Uh, you got the Senators sneaky good team probably. Yeah. You got the Red Wings hardworking team gonna be not good but still better. They They're can beat you on any given yeah. night. And then you got the Sabres. <laughs> well, like, there's, like, there's, there's always chance. Like the Senators could be a miracle team next year that go on a run yeah. and they get a wild card. The Sabres can't do that. You, and you know yeah. you're not going to do that. So just if, if you could, if now is a, if you have a window to start packing it in and start actually looking ahead, you got to do it. Yeah, that's yeah. Montreal is actually kind of an interesting case just because. They they just have so many UFAs after this season. Like it's it's kind of now or never. For I will them. pick them to miss the playoffs every single year because some years they do, some years they don't, and I really don't think there's a rhyme or reason to it. They're not they're a always reasons. a pretty good there team. Isn't. They're not. They're, a, always, they're always a pretty good team. They're a but, very strong possession team. I yeah. I Montreal against Winnipeg was so much fun for me because they they're always an extremely strong possession team with a really low shooting percentage. Because well, they don't have that series down. against the Jets is what happens that. when they're shooting when when that team's shooting percentage finally regresses to to the mean, which in their case means increases. Yeah, and they I, just well, wipe the floor with with. I, I think that those games between the Jets and the Canadians was when I most appreciated what NBC was actually doing with their broadcast team because they were really highlighting the Dano line and their defensive capabilities and how that was so pivotal to what the Canadians were doing. You know, you listen to all this Toronto and uh, Canadian media. It's like, you know, Matthews didn't show up. Marner didn't show up. Is that separate from the Toronto media and Canadian media? 
because Toronto true. is yeah, that that's much a good crazier. Point. A good point. Yeah. Literally yeah, Toronto that, that, Sports Network. I think that's correct, actually. Toronto is a bit crazier than just general Canadian media. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I mean, the whole idea that they, they never entertain the idea that maybe Philip Deneau and Tomas Tatar and Brendan Gallagher actually shut these guys down because they're the best defensive line in the NHL. They were the only team. They were the only line in the NHL this season with uh, with better possession numbers than Barkov, Verhage, and Duclair together. Yeah. So uh, anyway, Philip Deneau to Florida. Let's get yeah, it. Yeah, that's 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 my play too. Well, that's the thing. You guys talk about the big moves. I'm more excited about the little moves for Bill because this was the year that all the little moves worked out. Like, what are the what are the little moves next year that could turn into something huge? That's what I'm excited to see. Yeah, Mike Philip Riley could definitely that's be the one other. Of them. That's the little Mike one. Riley. Tommy, what do you think? What, uh, what, what, what kind of moves would you like to see the Panthers make? Do you want them to make the big splash trade for Jack Eichel, or would you rather see if they can, uh, if they can pull off bringing Dano, uh, Dano South? He's got yes, a look of Jack animated Eichel, excitement. Please. He's got a look of animated think, excitement. I think he wants Jack Eichel in, in Panther Red. Tommy Lopez wants to trade for Jack Eichel. He's very Sorry. expressive, this one. <laughs> um, I mean, I think not to destroy the Philip Dano uh, dream, Jacob. I don't think that's doable now with uh, Anton Lindell now in the fold and uh, you know, the most risky trade in Florida Panthers history, Sam Bennett as the second line Senator. I just don't, I just don't see room for Philip to know anymore as I I was 100% with you that Philip to know was a great target for the Panthers. It's just, there's no, there's no fit for him anymore. I don't think that they're necessarily committed to Bennett being a center because I believe that in some of the press conference, I believe in some of the press conferences, when they traded for him, they said that he could play either position. Obviously, he was yeah. great at center in the, what was it, like 20 games that he played for the Panthers. So you would imagine that going into next season, that's probably what they're going to do. So they probably won't target Deneau. But I think that that won't necessarily cause them not to explore the center market, let's say. I don't know, just because, you know, Sam Bennett, was, I think it was on 31 Thoughts. He's like, no, I'm a center. I want to play center. And that's where he was most effective and has, has been most effective in his career. I I just don't see it. Yeah. It, Honestly, it, my, my view of the Panthers center depth is if you're expecting Anton Lindell to be an NHL center next season, uh, if you can't go for broke and get Jack Eichel, leave the center market alone. I'm happy going with the exact same top six next year. If you go over Hagee, Barkov, Duclair, Huberto, Bennett, tip it i'm you could tell me that right now game one i'd be fine with that yeah oh totally yeah let's talk about the young guys Which we, we've never really had that in an off season like that much i wouldn't even call it complaint just comfort i've never had this much comfort in yeah, what we already have before everything else starts the difference here between comfort and complacency is yeah. this top six is actually really good yeah so it's comfort because not to say that it can't be improved upon but like complacency is like, uh, yeah, whatever. Huberto, Barkov, yeah. Bugstad, and I don't know. The last time it was Verbata, this guy was 15, Trocek, Jamie McGinn. Like that's oh, good God. enough. Let yeah. it rally. Yeah, I mean, like, like se- <laughs> seven years ago. <laughs> if this is seven years ago and Lundell's coming over, well, he'd already be here. If he would have been here this season, he'd be our one C. Mm-hmm. Whereas now we're like, eh, if he's if he needs a bit, that's fine. We'll give him give him some games of the A or like. Eh, maybe he's the three C. That's fine. Like so many yeah. guys are now coming into such good situations here. The one thing I'm going to miss, speaking of development, I'm going to miss the taxi squad. I think that was great for development. I don't think any team used it like they were supposed to use it. I think the NHL legitimately <laughs> thought it was going to be like just like a COVID reserve, but it turned into like this great, just little 
prospect molding group, guys coming up, guys coming down. Some guys come up to the NHL for three games, getting like a better paycheck, going back down. Like it kept everyone happy, I felt like. Yeah. And it just really did. It was so good for, you know, Dennis Sanko plays five games in Syracuse, comes up, hangs up, out here for two weeks, learns about NHL stuff, goes back down for 10 games, comes back up. I, I, I mean, it costs, I'm sure, some plane tickets, but that, that's a price we're willing to pay. But I just really thought that was a cool kind of addition to this season was how teams, specifically the Panthers, use that taxi squad to obviously help the team, but also just develop these guys, keep these guys happy. And even you look at, you know, bringing Spence and Kirstead right from college, to the taxi squad, you can't do that in a regular year. You wouldn't be able to, you, you wouldn't say we're both going to bring these guys and put them around the 23 man. They had, you know, three weeks to a month to, you know, hang out and really kind of marinate the taxi squad. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to pivot from the taxi squad to some of the guys that were on it this year. And uh, Alex kind of wanted to start talking about the young guys and, I wanted to also bring that into the point that I want to make about the first, let's say like 20 to 25 games of next year are going to be really telling because we're going to learn a lot about guys that some of whom we've seen in a Panther uniform, even for longer stretches. Like I want to know if Gustav Forsland can put together another season like that. I want to know if Carter Verhage can put together another season like that. I think the chances are good for that one, but let's see it. And uh, not just that, but, you know, Grigory Denisenko, it's going to be probably his first full season as a Panther. Is he going to be able to be, make an impact? Are we going to see Owen Tippett make a leap? leap? Is Alexi Hepaniemi going to be a full-time <laughs> NHLer? Yeah. We, I don't know if might, Owen Tippett knows how to take a leap or not. We hope yeah, he, we don't, I don't know if we. I don't know if we want to see Owen Tippett take a leap. I, I hope not, yeah. <laughs> I hope not. And, and Spencer Knight, is he going to come into the show and be – a Vezina candidate because if you go if you extrapolate based on how he played in the playoffs, he might oh, be. Gee, TJ, come on! No, why are me, we doing let me, that? Let me let me uh, stat Vezina, Calder, and Hart. Just one, two, three. Consmite too. I yeah. can't uh, believe you would yeah. take the Calder away from Anton Lindell like that. But I'm going to. I think Dennis Senko is eligible too. Still, he, he can play a lot of games. Yeah, so got a lot of guys they're running. And TJ, you said something, and I honestly don't agree with it just because I don't know if there's enough room. I don't know if Dennis Anko is going to get a full year in the NHL. Where are you going to put him? Who are you taking out of the lineup? I think he's ready. And I think, you know, for the first time in a very long time, the Panthers have high-end prospects that are NHL ready that they just don't have room for. You know, Jake Jameson, you joked about it that like five years ago, if Anton Lindell was the first-round pick, he would have been the 1C already. He's going to come in as the number three C next year. But like, where do you put Denisenko? Like, I think the beauty of Denisenko is that he, yes, he's got a lot of skill, but he's a guy that could totally actually learn a bunch if you if he was like a fourth line left winger. He's got the grit for it. He's got he's kind of plays that powered forward game again. So it's not like you're putting a skilled player on the fourth line and burying him. I think he's a guy that could maybe start on the fourth and climb a bit, kind of like what Tippett did. Tippett started on the bottom six, climbed his way up. Said he learned a lot. Said it helped him a lot, which 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 is good. So I. I think that's, you know, that's what the expansion draft is going to tell us and all that stuff is wh what spots are actually open because who the heck knows True. what's going to be open come, you know, end of July. Yeah, I, I remember in Dennis Inko's scouting report, it essentially said he's a he plays angry. He's just yeah. an angry guy. Yeah. Well, we saw that was in World Juniors. He was pissed off. I love that. <laughs> yeah, he's he's taking his fair share of was that uh, Who, who was the guy penalties. that didn't take, didn't take their helmet off for the anthem? Was it uh, Hayton or Canada? I don't know. They were doing the Russian anthem, and uh, it was because it was Barrett Hayton didn't take his helmet off, and Dennis Sango just comes off like the anthem line, like gets in his face. 
You guys don't remember that from the World Juniors? I don't. Oh, no, man. Awesome. I wish I did. I That's don't. what I was like. I cannot wait for this guy to be a Panther. I, I do remember. I, th- I think it, whoever won silver taking his medal and just throwing it into that the crowd. That was Leas Anderson. I thought yeah. that was great. Yeah. That's the one I remember is Leas Anderson uh, throwing the silver. He hasn't um, quite backed that up yet. No, Speaking of Worlds, no, Anton he Lindell. has not. <laughs> Speaking of Worlds, Anton Lindell with a great performance at Worlds. Looking he was like Finland's best player. Led Finland in scoring, yeah, was their best player. But Which is yeah. really refreshing to see coming off of uh, the coming COVID. off of COVID, yeah, because we've seen some horror stories about some well, teams' prospects. Pre, pre, just, yeah, pre him going on the protocol list, he was insane yep. in mm-hmm. Liga. Coming off, obviously there was some rust, but then, like you said, nice to see one final peak before the actual offseason with how good he was playing at Worlds. So Bill Zito did lie to us. I don't think he actually went to Finland to go get. Anton Lindell, he just sent over a contract. So I do feel like, well, to no, him. He, he signed there. I mean, he yeah. still could be going he's, over and picking him up. He's fair to come back fair. to the States. By the way, Lindell ended the league of season 25 points in 26 games and then put up 14 points in 14 games at World Juniors. He was seven, seven goals, seven assists at World Juniors. I still he's, remember he's, he's 19, right? He's like, yeah. Yeah, he's still 19. Yeah. I remember I, <laughs> I talked, I, I, he had a, he had a five, uh, five, was it five point game or something like that? Or he, he had an insane game earlier yeah. in the year. Yeah, I, I think talked to four him. goals and an assist. I four think. goals and an assist, yeah. And I talked to him like a week after, and I remember talking about that game. And it, 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 I loved his answer because it was, it was a little bit cocky, but also a little bit humble at the same time. I was like, you know, what's it like? do you feel different in a game like that? And he's like, you know what? There's just some games where you go out there and you feel like you can do anything. And he's like, and that was one of those games. So that's a great answer. I'd love to see like the fact that he thinks at least knows he already has that level. He just has to turn it on at certain times. It's good to know the fact that he knows he can be one of those do anything, do whatever I want players, which we saw obviously Barkov do a lot more this season as well. Yeah. There were some disrespectful moments from Barky this season. Yeah. Beautiful. Like not having to lean on Barkov to control a line, like having players like Verhege and Duclair with him, who were also very good offensive play drivers in their own right. Like taking that burden off of Barkov's shoulders and letting him be a little more free to be a hockey player instead of a pure line driver. Oh, it was I mean, it was beautiful. Jake, Jake, you saw that move uh, it, at the end of the season with the where Barkov did the it was keeping the puck in the zone. Yeah, I was just about to that little that little like, around. tap. Oh. Like that was the the <laughs> NHL street move. Like I saw that and I was like, Barky, like that's like just disgusting. And Barky, like Barky's doing more of that. Like I know I'm the best player, so I'm gonna try something crazy type stuff. Yeah. I just freaking love it. Yeah, I, I think in in years past when he hasn't had uh, as strong of a line. And he, like, he's had the responsibility of needing to be the one to drive play. So he's played a little safer this year. Well, I think was, like, oh, it was so nice to see him a little more free. I think having better alignments is also making, he obviously trusts them more. So he is trying yeah. those moves more where I think he, in the past, he maybe felt more of an obligation to lift up his line mates. Right. That's why he, he always tried to set them up and kind of put them in good places. Now he knows that no matter what he does, it's reciprocated. And these guys can set him up as well. And I think that's why maybe he is taken more risks and doing more crazy fun stuff this uh, this season like he was. Yeah. And he, Barkov he, ended up with a Selkie nomination and I I don't future know. Future win. Uh, He's going to win. He, I, he no should win. The Church of Bergeron will get a lot of votes and I understand why, but like this is the year Barkov should win. And they're never going to give it to Stone, even though he's no definitely deserving of wine but the, they all the give him a heads. couple votes because and pat themselves on the back so the like, oh, we voted for a winger yeah we're exactly, so progressive exactly uh well let's pivot to defense because i think that there's an interesting battle for roster spots going on there i mean obviously pretty much everybody is coming back but you have john ludwig well, you have max gildon friends of the pod entering the folds 
What, what do we think is going to happen there? Well, so that to me is one of the most interesting, like, can't wait for training camp battles is you, yeah. you who knows, once again, who knows, but you assume you have like Uyghur, Ekblad, you know, Forsling, Gouda, all those guys. So you assume maybe there's one spot if that, if not the six, maybe the seven's available. But who gets that spot? Because, I mean, you look at the battle right now, just listen off your names. Like you said, you have Kirstead. Look pretty good, obviously. He's going to want that spot. Gildon's coming off a great rookie season in the AHL. He's going to want that spot. Ludwig didn't play a ton, you know, with the whole no AHL team, but I like what I saw from him when I watched yeah, him. He was Syracuse. excellent. He was excellent. He was excellent. So that's potential there. He's the youngest of the group. I think he's like 20, though, right now. So he's a bit younger than the other guys. Uh, is Brady Keeper finally going to make that jump? And he's, he's had a couple tastes. Maybe he does some in this offseason, makes that big leap. And I feel like you know Alec Rahauser, you know he's older, playing with the Rabbits right now. Maybe he has a good camp. Uh, I think his contract—that was only a one-year deal though, coming out of college. So who knows what's happening there? But there's a lot of guys that are 20 to 24 that are going to try and make that jump at training camp. And who is it going to be? I have no idea. And that's kind of that's that's exciting. And honestly, don't undersell the potential that Lucas Carlson actually gets that. I spot. forgot, yeah, Lucas Carlson. <laughs> Lucas Carlson has a really good AHL track record. Wasn't so good in Rockford this year before getting traded, uh, but then threw up nine points in 11 games here. Vladislav Kolyachanik, another name. I, You know what? I forgot about him. That, well, he, 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 bat, he, he had an injury this year, so he didn't play a ton, but like that's a guy, obviously, high hopes for him. Just to clean something up real quick, Brady Keeper is a group six free agent because he didn't play enough games, so it is possible he's no longer part of the Panthers organization. But uh, other than that, I, I do agree. It is old. Two more. Noah, Noah Juleson, RFA. They yeah. might keep him. We don't know what's going on there. Yeah. And then last but not least, they already re-signed Kevin Connaughton. True. And we all, a lot of people assume he's just going to be that AHL vet, but maybe he's not. Maybe he is the six or the seven. Maybe they like him that much. I so, kind of like Connaughton. Yeah, I, I like what I saw from him. So <laughs> that's, that's what, seven, eight guys going for one, maybe two spots. Right. So regardless, Charlotte's going to have a great decor. That's, that's great. That's great to know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and then the other thing that we didn't mention is we don't know if everyone's going to be back because there is the expansion draft. I mean, there's a whole lot. I mean, we kind of touched on it. Is Keith Yando willing to waive so Gustav Forsling can be protected? And if Gustav Forsling's protected, does Ratko Gudis become selected? So there are a lot of moving parts, and I'd, someone on this defense is not going to be on the team next year because I think that's, I think that's the slam dunk the direction Seattle would go with, with this uh, Florida Panthers mm-hmm. roster in terms of Oh, I heard a, I heard a, yeah. I mean, that's the interesting question for me because the the Panthers, while they have a lot of these interesting guys that they can plug into those maybe like bottom pairing roles, I I think that they might try to, you know, be creative to find a way to get Seattle to take a forward. And I, and I think that, you know, it's way too early to be speculating about this, with uh, any real confidence, but I, I, I think that there's a chance that somebody like Frank Vetrano ends up in Seattle because the Panthers are, they're dealing with a lot of forwards that are trying to knock on that door. He's a pending unrestricted free agent. And he's a guy that Seattle might covet as a potential building block because he's not that old. I think he's 28. He's got, we also don't know what Seattle's doing. Are they, are yeah. they going to try to go the win now Vegas route? Or are they going to try and go the, We'll take whatever you want, but give us prospects and picks. We're going for the, the longer build. So 
that's another million dollar question. I don't know. Well, I think yeah. that's what Vegas tried to do. It just happened to also be, oh, yeah. holy shit, we're really good. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, I don't, I don't every, think Vegas knew they were getting. Well, that's the thing. Every, everything clicked. Contender. Everything clicked year one, and then after that, then they all the picks they got for their you know long build, they just <laughs> traded and brought in win now guys. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, being gifted two first line players for a fourth round pick really kind of helped. Not Sorry. even that. Shea Theodore. There's Shea Theodore. Theodore. like guys like that. There isn't one. one that I will always talk about. Like shit on the Panthers all you want for for their fiasco, and it was bad. But like to me, Shea, Shea Theodore is one get, of yeah. the best, at least easily one of the most underrated defensemen in the NHL. I will hold steady on one of the best defensemen yeah. uh, in the NHL. Yeah. It should be controversial. Anaheim handed them Shea Theodore. Yeah for so, them to take Clayton Stoner off. And to of protect a guy like Cam Fowler, who's become an albatross contract. Unfortunate for uh, the Ducks. I think Fowler had a good year this year, actually. He did maybe not. not. Maybe not. The Ducks got the, what, the third pick in the draft? Yeah, they have the third pick. Yeah, the duck, Ducks Ducks maybe can turn it around in a couple of years. They do have some young guys, but none of them really look like great players. Hopefully. Yeah, game breakers. Hopefully they do, because I want to see John Gibson hoisting the stanley cup i mean american excellence you no 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 because now now we have the best american goaltender like now oh, we don't true. care about john gibson true are Unless we just ignoring the existence of connor hellebuck i mean the disrespect winnipeg's not winning our, the stanley cup when's it when's, when's our olympic episode because i want my olympic goaltenders true. to be hellebuck gibson and Knight. they probably will be like i'm not i'm not oh, yeah. joking they probably will be I mean, well, yeah, let's see beat Be- beezer's gotta say because beezer's with team usa so i'm hoping beezer pulls the panther card <laughs> And gets gets Nighter on there as like the young. This guy's gonna be our starter in the next two Olympics. So let's just get him into this one. Yeah, I mean, you know, get him around the guy. He's he's Team USA through and through. I mean, the the program loves him. Why, and well, why wouldn't they? True. If you he won, look, them, a he won them a gold, he's yeah. already won them a gold. If you look how Team USA usually does their Olympic team, it's your two vets who are gonna be your one two, and then the third guy is always a guy who's much younger, who's the one they project to lead the next group. And that's, quick was, yeah, I remember John the Quick was for a bit. They, they so he, was, he got his young guy time, and yeah, that's and that's for sure Spencer Knight. Like, no, who but, even are like the good older American. It's goalie. it's Hellebuck and Gibson. I guess you know what? I guess Hellebuck and Gibson are your vets. Jake now. Ottinger, I guess he looks all right. Yeah, right. But okay, but are you going to put Jake Ottinger, or are you going to give it to Spencer Knight, who one of them is projected <laughs> to be one of the best goalies in the NHL, and Jake Ottinger is a guy? Yeah, we, we honestly like we just got to cross our fingers that they don't now. We just got to cross our fingers that they don't revert to type and take like Jonathan Quick. Well, no, there's again, no way. Again, this is how team, we're, look, we're talking about t- the hockey men. Don't forget that. I know. But look how Team USA has always done their goalies. It's two vets and a young guy. The two vets are Helly Buck and Gibson. The young guy is Spencer Knight. But Thatcher Demko is out there. True. And he looks very good. I'd do that. that That's maybe the only competition there. I, I, I gotta think the front runners here are Hellebuck Gibson Knight. Like that's fingers crossed because yeah. of his Team USA connection. Demko doesn't run quite as deep with Team USA. I would say so. Yeah, uh, I would say Demko has a better shot of replacing Hellebuck or Gibson over Spencer Knight. I again, yeah. the developmental and Gibson goal. are just so good though. Right. While we're talking about goalies, I feel like we should talk about the obligatory. Oh, what's the goalie situation going to look like for the Panthers next year? But I mean. Honestly, like you feel free to disagree with me, but the goalies are going to be Bob and Knight, and yeah, Q is totally. going to play whichever one is playing better. Like that's it. Exactly, that's exactly yeah. what he did with yeah. Dreegs and Bob this year. It's, just, it, it's not rocket science. He really does just play 
All right, you're in. Oh, you had a good start. You get the next one. You get the next one. Oh, bad game. All right, other guy. Yeah. Play to you. Play to you have a bad start. Mm-hmm. It, it works. Right. It yeah, works. It yeah, we does. talked about exactly that with uh, with Katie a few weeks ago. It was Q's goalie strategy, goalie rotation strategy is you play until you lose, and then the next guy gets his shot. Like that. That that's just it. And why not? Mm-hmm. Where do you guys think Drieger ends as long up? As you have two hot hands. Drieger, I think Drieger ends up in Seattle. You know, everybody keeps saying that, but lots of teams need goalies. Seattle doesn't have anyone in the way, though. Well, I mean, if he's no, if he's no longer a Panther, my nightmare scenario is the Bruins, if he's no longer a Panther. Well, the Bruins have young guys coming through, so I think that they would stick to them. Yeah, if they, but don't forget, they still got their, their window with the current, like the Bergeron Marchand core. Like, they're going to want a win-now guy for the next maybe two, three yeah, years. I, do, I, do you I, think that Rask is going to retire? I, he's I, UFA. I go back to Boston. Yeah, I, I think uh, he, would, he just wouldn't go back. Um, I mean, remember when we – I mean, this was a long time ago. When we talked to Matt Porter about a year ago. He was saying, yeah, he thinks this is it for Rask once the contract's up. That wow. Maybe he pulls the MAF role with Seattle and Tuca goes to, to Seattle and guides them to the final in his first year. That would no, be although, fantastic. It, it'll look a little <laughs> bit different because Boston's not going to hand them exactly. to the Rask. So well, Tuca's Jeremy a free agent, Swayman so it doesn't can matter. be the starter. Like. I do like Jeremy Swayman. I think he's good. Yeah, I yeah, I think Boston likes him too, which is But that's the thing, is every team that needs a goaltender probably does have one good goaltending prospect they like. It's just you yeah. need you need a I guy guess, today. Yeah, you know what? Thing. Boston, if you let Rask and Halak walk, you can go into next year with Swayman and Drieger, and you're probably happy enough with that. I'd hate that. I'd... it would suck, but it's I hadn't even considered Boston, and now you say it, and I'm like, oh shit, that makes they have another kid who, goalie though. Like uh, Swayman played, and then there was another guy that played. I can't remember who. Yeah, it was. but there, but but when you're a team that has oh, they have Kyle Kaiser. You're gonna and want it wasn't someone. him. It was somebody other than those than him. Yeah, I know. I just I like Kyle Kaiser. I forgot about him, but I like him. But yeah, but but a team with cup aspirations is gonna want someone with a track record. I, mean, I don't know if Drieger, uh, has Drieger doesn't track, exactly have a track yeah, record, but it's it's. But if you're gonna, but what I'm saying is, if you're gonna go with a young guy like. You need someone with at least Rieger's track record as the other goalie. You're not going in with two young guys. Like, well, I think too. Like looking at the free agent goaltenders: Frederick Anderson, Grubauer, Rene. If a team wants, like, maybe squeeze another year out of him, Tuca, like we said. Like, so yeah, no, but there are like you look at guys like Grubauer because Grubauer they didn't resign him, did they? Well, he hasn't signed yet, but I'd be shocked if they let him. Yeah, walk. so I mean, like, there could well, be, there imagine Rieger just goes to Colorado. <laughs> oh, and just rides that to a couple cups. <laughs> Could I mean, honestly, could... like, why not? Why not Toronto as a destination for him? I'm... It's very Toronto possible. Make... Toronto's Edmonton, a fit. Edmonton, Edmonton. Uh, Calgary. Yeah, well, no, Calgary's not got... Calgary now. They got what's his name? Markstrom. Markstrom. Oh, they also have Dustin Wolf. Buffalo needs yeah. a goalie. I like Dustin Buffalo. Wolf. Makes I don't, sense. He, I don't think he's going to go to Buffalo. Detroit needs a goalie. Yeah, Detroit makes a lot of sense actually. You know, because he could grow with that team. He's he's only twenty eight, I believe. So uh, yeah, I guess Detroit's probably finally going to draft their goalie this year. I assume. Yeah, there so he can be the stopgap uh, slash probably potentially more. Uh, Jesper Wallstedt, I think, is in this draft. Yes. Yeah, yeah he is really good. I, I I see Drieger getting something in the three by four or three by three and a half for a team that's either in transition or wants a really really strong one B and is chasing a cup. Yeah, I, I think honestly yeah, so less money than that. Toronto, that's going to be Boston. Right. I think you're looking at yeah. the uh, the Carter Hutton deal as a as a uh, rubric, and the flat cap is probably going to 
take it down. So I wouldn't be surprised if his number comes in around two million. No, I'd be shocked if it came. Flat, flat cap, man. I, flat cap. I just got the I just got the alert. I'm on like a three minute warning here. Okay. Final topic. Uh oh. Uh oh. We right, did not get so, that anywhere near as much as we wanted to. That's, that's, that's what right. happened. So, we, went like, we went like an hour. I know. But, yeah, that's true. We, we, we've gone all over the place too. That's we the best podcast though. Let's, uh, let's move into the playoffs a little bit. So uh, Jameson, seeing Carolina fall even quicker to the lightning than the Panthers did makes you feel blank. Uh, I honestly have watched very little of the playoffs since the Panthers got eliminated because whenever I do tune in, I just think the Panthers could have beaten this team, no matter who I'm watching. Like we, I, I still think they they should and could have beaten the Lightning. Like that was a very close series, all things considered. I think the Panthers team won. I think that series, Panthers win the series. I think if you know, you know, Bennett doesn't get suspended, you know, he, he's there for game two. They win game two. Panthers win that series. There were so many things I thought could have twisted that, you know, in the Panthers' favor. So outside the Lightning, I think the Panthers could have taken any of these teams, and I still, like I said, think they could have taken the Lightning. So uh, it's tough. It's nice to know the Panthers went six. The, uh, the Hurricanes only went five against the Bolts. Yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what the next team does. Can they can they beat the Bolts? Because uh, they, they are the best team. They're the cream of the crop uh, with, with all those guys they have and being fully healthy. So, um, yeah, it, I, I guess more than anything, I feel good knowing the Panthers looked at times that good against the Lightning, who seemed to be destroying everyone else. So, Jameson, why don't you, uh, before we let you go, just let everyone know where they can find you. Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Jamison Coop. Uh, you can find us streaming at Twitch TV, uh, twitch.tv slash FLA Panthers. Uh, of course, Territory Talk Podcast, floridapanthers.com uh, slash podcast network. There you get Territory Talk every Wednesday, five-minute morning skate before every game. Of course, not now, but when the season comes back. <laughs> uh, around the NHL, that's with uh, Kitty Gauss and Randy Muller. That's more national-leaning NHL show. Kevin Weeks was the last guest. Uh, we have Pete Blackburn coming up next. So we got you nice. know fun guests talking general NHL stuff. So uh, yeah, always something going on, but throughout the summer at Jamison Coop, uh, always something to talk about, whether it's the Panthers, Swamp Rabbits, getting to some checkers talk here pretty soon once they get back up and running. So it's not going to be a dull off season. What, what are we going to see with the Twitch? I'd love to hear it. Give us the Twitch, Twitch update. Uh, got a couple things in the works that should go through in the next month or so, but in terms of general laid back gaming, NHL, people vote and want to play that still. I, I want a Mario Part Party or a Mario Kart Night. It's just hard to get enough people that have Switches that want to play. Uh, and then I have enough, I've finally had enough requests that we're going to play some rocket league. Yeah, Ooh. let's do that. Which I'm terrible, which yes. I'm terrible at. So Jameson, I, I would like to challenge you to a, uh, to a Twitch stream Pokemon battle at some point. Like Pokemon sword battle. Oh yeah. Ooh. Okay. So I had a great team, but I haven't played in like six months. So I'm sure I'm out of the meta now, but I will still play you with that team. Okay. I haven't really done any of the Gen 8 meta, so if you had any idea what the meta was like at any point, you actually uh, might be able to throw together a good team. It it was a solid Sun team, and I liked it a lot. Mm. Weather was the meta early on, and at least in doubles. (laughs) Oh, we got to play doubles, because if I I do, if I go singles, I just wreck you with Surfetched. I got a whole Surfetched kind of thing going on. Your Surfetched is is no match for my Galarian Corsola. God, I love when we get super nerdy in Pokemon. I love it. Jameson, thank you so we, much for joining us. We'll do a Pokemon us. night for sure. Yes. Yeah. Very excited for that. Thanks, guys.
guys, thank you for listening to another episode of Panther Prairie. I want to take a second and thank Jamison Olive for joining us and spending so much of his time with us. That really flew by. We, uh, we didn't even get to half of what we wanted to, so we're going to have to get him back on sometime later in the offseason to go over everything. Uh, I do want to announce, and it's something that kind of uh, slipped through the cracks and I brain myself, we have to give away our one-year subscription to Florida Hockey Now. We did hit the 1,000 followers, so I'm going to pick someone at random. And hold on, if you uh, did everything, I've got here, oh, Florida Panthers 24, FL Panthers 24. They follow us on the podcast. They rated, they reviewed. So congratulations, FL Panthers 24. Uh, please reach out to us, get in our DMs, and we'll set you up with a one-year subscription to Florida Hockey Now, which is one of the best sources for independent hockey Panthers coverage. Uh, so FL Panthers 24, congratulations. I know Jacob has a jersey or a sweater to give away, so that's coming as well. Sorry, not Jacob, TJ. I'm looking at Jacob, and, <laughs> and he's combing his emo hair right now, and that just distracted me. But uh, TJ's got a, a sweater or a jersey to give away. It's a Vincent Trocek jersey, right, TJ? Yeah. You can always uh, you know, remove the nameplate and put Wenberg on if he resigns or remove the nameplate and number and get make it, you know, an Anton Lindell jersey, whatever you want to do. Uh, oh, the second the second Anton Lundell gets an NHL jersey number, I'm buying it. Guys, I know this is not a visual medium, but Jacob growing his hair out, having an emo, and just completely like posing for the camera is extremely distracting as I try to sign us out. <laughs> but thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For Jacob Langsam and TJ Peterson, I'm Alex Lopez, and we'll see you guys next time. What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything, but losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203.